Hey everyone, welcome to our podcast. This is a lot. I'm Shakira. And I'm Joanne. And um, before we start, like what we're going to be talking about this week, we figured we'd give a little introduction about who we are and why we're doing this. Yeah, so do you want to start or should I go first? You go first. Okay, well, um, yeah, my name's Joanne. Um, I am 19. I am, I identify as a woman. I am Filipino, but I was born and raised in Japan and I lived in Beijing for a bit. Um, I am currently studying gender and feminist studies. Um, I'm McGill. At McGill, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, no, just in general, no. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm Shakira. I'm also 19. I also go to McGill with Joanne. I'm doing an honors in international development and a double minor in Arabic and psych. Woo! Mouthful. Um, and we're best friends. Yeah, we're best friends. <laughs> I am also a woman. I identify as she, her, and... That's about it. Yeah, I, I lived in Canada. I was born in Toronto, moved to London, Ontario. I don't think you guys will know where that is because it's kind of small, but it is what it is. Um, and now I live in Montreal, so... Yeah. Yeah, yeah we just... Um, I know, we come from very different backgrounds, I guess, mm-hmm. and, which is kind of what led us to this point we yeah. realized that you know like we our lived experiences are so different and yet you know somehow we found common ground mm-hmm. and, they're very um, similar even though they're very different yeah. um and it kind of led us to want to create wanting to create this podcast mm-hmm. um because we just we like to have very like in-depth like <laughs> insightful insightful <laughs> philosophical philosophical <laughs> philosophical conversations about like our life and our experience which probably has a lot to do with what we study yeah and we're like we realize we're like this is some good stuff like this is some good shit let's make some money off it yeah (laughs) we're not here to make money that is not the intention but we're like you know what like why not make a podcast and like see what comes of it especially because like growing up both of us felt very alone in our experiences and like we just didn't think that a lot of people could relate but we're realizing more and more that there are people out there who can relate so we were like okay let's share our story and see what happens exactly and as as you know being two women of color like we kind of talked about how when we were younger we wish we had something like this you Mm -hmm. know like someone to tell us oh i actually relate to all the struggles you're going through and it's hard when you're uh, when you're a colored person because life is just different for you yeah so we're going to be talking a lot about that yeah, so I guess um, the uh, overall theme of our podcast would be, like... Race? Race, sexuality, gender. gender. Like, what it's like as two women of color to grow up in proximity to whiteness, essentially. Yeah, and, like, not even just the proximity, the sort of glorification of whiteness mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. is very damaging, but you only realize how damaging it is when you take a step back. So, like, I only realized how damaging it was when I started studying this which I guess makes sense but you know it's yeah so that's basically what this is I guess so we hope you enjoy yeah (laughs) on to the content on to the meat (laughs) so um this week's episode is called the adventures of oreo and coconut Mm -hmm. um for reasons we will be explaining throughout the episode um yeah so I guess we'll start off this episode just talking a little bit about like how we grew up um and like what our childhood were like and kind of how that spurred where we are now yeah spurred? is that the right word uh, spurred makes sense have constructed our subjectivity yes there how we, we go. see ourselves mm-hmm. and how we continue to see ourselves mm-hmm. um 
I feel like we should just go and explain why we have Oreo and coconut in the title. <laughs> okay, um, go for it. Uh, so basically, the commonality between an Oreo and a coconut is that they're colored on the outside and white on the inside. Um, we sort of like appropriated that from the concept of a banana, which I sort of grew up hearing. It's um, what a lot of people call, you know, like chi- ethnically Chinese people who were born and raised in the state. So like they're yellow on the outside but white on the inside. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of what Shakira and I were thinking um, because we grew up in such proximity to whiteness and because we grew up glorifying whiteness and mm-hmm. wanting to be white and with a lot of white friends mm-hmm. um we sort of we were colored on the outside but at our very core we kind of wanted to identify as yeah. white and in many ways we did identify as white yeah we did it which is very odd because it's like how do you identify with as white when you're not actually you that is such a it sounds like such a weird thing it's such a weird i identify thing. as white but i'm not actually but I'm like white. Not white i'm black but you know <laughs> i'm white i'm white on the edge and that is something that i used to say as a kid all the time like <clears throat> i would self-identify as an oreo i'd be like yeah like i may be black on the outside but i'm actually white on the inside and it's like yeah like, i'm just like one of you though yeah like so, i like don't even pay attention to the pigments like I, yeah. I promise I'm white but it's also interesting because like as a kid like um I spent pretty much most of my formative years in London Ontario yeah. um I was one of the only black people in my class sometimes in my grade Ooh. occasionally in the school you know how it is, you know how it is. <laughs> um and like because of that I wanted to be I realized I wanted to be included so much you know yeah. and like i used to say i i'm i'm black on the outside but i'm really white on the inside as a way of kind of bridging that, that racial gap you know to make it seem as though like i am one of them and it, it's kind of interesting reflecting like how i my like people oftentimes in my neighborhood i feel like they forgot that i was black you know mm. because i was so like so good at performing whiteness yes because i was so good at performing and trying to fit in that like they kind of forgot that i was black or like they would only remember that i was black when referring to me as like their black friend their only black friend you know um which is actually very damaging (laughs) to a child i I, kind of want to ask you a question about that like two actually um one like to what extent did you feel like performing whiteness was a way to justify your presence like yeah like I am a colored person, but, like, it's fine because I, I, I can be white. I can be like you because that's kind of how I felt. And, two, um, how did you feel when you were with your white friends versus when you were with maybe your family or other black people? Like, did, like so, like, when... Okay, I was thinking of um, that book by uh, Gabrielle Union. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and how she was talking about how, like, when she's with her white friends, she, like, they still see her as her black friend, but when she's in with it, like, yeah. When she's in the black community, she's seen as, like, a completely whitewashed person. Mm-hmm. So, the book was, we're referring yeah. to, by the way, is We're Gonna Need More Wine uh, by... Yeah, yeah it, We're Gonna Need More Wine. Yeah, yeah, by Gabrielle Union. Do recommend. It's a very so good book. Good. Um, but, yeah, like, I think performing whiteness was a large part of my identity. Like, mm-hmm. I don't... Honestly, to think about it, like, I didn't have very many friends of color, like... I think in high school I maybe had two or three yeah. and the rest of my friends were white and I it got to the point that performing whiteness was so inherent to my identity that I didn't even realize that I was performing anymore mm-hmm. you know like I didn't realize mm-hmm. that like I was putting on 
this a character exactly a character I didn't even realize that it was a character until I kind of like stepped out of the side of that situation and started reflecting on my past and like yeah like I when I would travel to colored communities I was very much seen as a very whitewashed person like when I lived in Jamaica briefly or like when I would visit relatives like they would always be like oh wow like you speak such proper English oh my gosh you're practically white like you know and it's Funny because hearing that as a kid, like that was what I wanted to hear. I was like, yes, yeah, like it's like a compliment. Yeah, oh my but God, it's I have so much to say. Yeah. Not a compliment. Not a compliment so whatsoever. Um, but yeah, like that was who I was. Like, mm-hmm. and now, like it's very. I have a very hard time figuring out who I am outside of that performance mm-hmm. because I've been doing it for so long. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I 100% relate to that, and like. I don't know, for me, like, whenever I would perform whiteness, it was actually very strange for me growing up because I grew up in Asia, right? Mm-hmm. So I was never really in a white community mm-hmm. or, like, in the States or whatever. But I had a lot of... I had a few white friends. But, like, I don't know, I think for some reason... I feel like my experience living in Asia was very sort of... Um, I observed and embodied a lot of the sort of like glorification of whiteness. So I noticed all my Asian friends wanted to be like the white people. So even though there weren't that many white people, their presence was still very strong. Mm-hmm. And so whenever, so like all my friends were white. Mm-hmm. And, you know, despite being amongst white friends, or probably because I was with white friends, I felt super, super colored to the point where I just felt embarrassed about being colored and I think part of the reason why I continued to act super white and embody whiteness was because I was like I know I'm colored I know I'm not like one of you but it's okay I can try Mm -hmm. hard to be so I sort of like just I was justifying my presence within that friend group Mm -hmm. which is really toxic and I'm only realizing that now and I totally real I totally relate when you were talking about um how when you would go back to Jamaica like your family would be like oh wow you speak such good English you're practically white I basically the same thing happened to me like for the longest time I refused to learn Tagalog which is a which is a Filipino dialect and Mm -hmm. it's the dialect that my family speaks my extended family speaks um and I refused to learn it because I was like no like I want to be white I want to I want to speak English I want to have this level of superiority over my relatives Mm -hmm. you know um and so whenever they'd be like they would laugh at my accent sometimes my like American accent whenever I would try to speak to Tagalog and they would be like wow look at your English like oh my god like look at you um I would take that as the highest form of praise because mm-hmm. I was like wow yeah I am white I mean it worked you know like I had everyone fooled like that's what I took it as and so in that way you know I feel like I harbored a lot of shame regarding mm-hmm. my ethnicity same um and and that's just really sad to think about because now I feel like I'm sort of looking for any chance to get back to my like Filipino roots because mm-hmm. it's something I like forbid my I like I forbid my forbid forbade They're forbade, forbade there it is. <laughs> myself from doing when I was growing up and yeah it's so like interesting to realize how much whiteness pervades society and like Mm. how dominant its presence is and like how powerful it is that to the extent where it forces people to want to reject their identity Mm -hmm. and to spend years and years conforming and rejecting who they really are and like i 
like for me i'm it makes me very confused actually because like i don't really know who i am and like i don't really know like what my identity is what i identify as and it's like obviously i'm a black woman but like that identity was never one that i adopted as for myself Mm. that was always something that was imposed on me you know and it's like if this identity wasn't imposed on me by like outer forces what what would i identify as you know Mm. and it's interesting because like growing up as a kid my mom um she always kind of like raised us with this idea of like you're not black you're just a person like they're not white they're just a person like Mm-hmm. screw ethnic identities like you are who you are i feel like that's her feelings on that has changed a little bit I'm a little bit i'm not too sure like, but i think just they have a bit yeah <laughs> yeah oh, i don't know where i was going <laughs> but yeah okay. um they like she always kind of like raised us with that idea of like you're just a person you're not yeah. you're not this you're not that you're just, you're shaq you're shakira um and it's like now it's like okay, I know that I don't want to be white, but I also don't know what it means to be black either. Mm. Like, I don't know what it means to be a black woman or how, like, what is, like, quote-unquote a black woman, Yeah, like, have you ever, like, connected with the black community in that way? I I mean... I don't think I have. Like, outside of my my immediate family, like, Mm. I don't really have a lot of experience with black... I honestly don't think that I've had a black female friend, like, another Mm. black female close female friend you know like had a couple black guy friends um yeah but i've never i've never had another like black woman that i could actually no that's not true i do i have one now speedy i met her over camp but like aside from and she was she was somebody that i met um last year but aside from her like growing up i had never interacted with other other black people Mm. um and it's kind of like almost intimidating really to do so now because it's like i've spent so long rejecting that part of me that it's like i don't know how to fit into that community anymore because like i rejected it for so long and a part of me feels guilty for rejecting it you know because it was like it's such a vibrant community and i don't know anything about it because i didn't want to know anything about it because i wanted to be like my white friend you know yeah and it's like how do you reconcile with that with that you know like mm-hmm. wanting like rejecting who you are to be something that you're not Mm -hmm. but then like because of that you miss out on so much you know like you know you know what i'm you know what i'm yeah yeah Yeah. no i get that because like i feel like we both spent so much time like rejecting our roots and our ethnicities um which i honestly don't entirely think is our fault because of a lot of the internalized racism Mm. and a lot of the fact i mean because of the fact that you know like this aspiration to be white is something very much internalized and mm-hmm. something learned when you're young. Um, but I do understand, like, there's a sense of regret. You know, mm-hmm. like, I definitely regret, regret not learning or trying harder to speak, um, like, my mother tongue. And I feel really guilty for being ashamed of where I was from. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, whenever um like, I remember in middle school and elementary school, whenever we'd have to, like, go around the class and be like, oh, where are you from? I would just, like, hate it. I, I hated having to do those things because I didn't want people to know I was Filipino. I mm-hmm. thought it was, you know, I was like, oh, they're all going to think, you know, I'm from this poor country, I'm dirty, you know, all that. Mm-hmm. Which isn't true. Like, I don't know. I, I don't want to get hate for saying that. Like, I'm just, like, literally, I'm, 
I'm talking about the shit I used to think about being yeah. Filipino. This isn't what I actually think. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I totally really. We just spent so much time rejecting like facts about ourselves that aren't even that aren't even shameful. They're kind of just you know. Um, yeah. But yeah. And it's like it's so. It like amazes me that like as a kid I used to think so badly about like my identity mm-hmm. and like myself and like my heritage and stuff like like food like you know I used to be oh, embarrassed yeah. about food because it was different from the kids that like like at Yo, school and stuff you know like, I get this like sorry to interrupt no, but like I remember whenever I'd have lunch with my friends most of whom were white um, I would always bring home lunch and they would always eat school lunch and my home lunch was always you know like Filipino food or like some kind of Asian food and I was so scared that they would hate the smell or they would think it was gross. Mm-hmm. So I would like open it under the table and like eat from and like leave my so like sit, put my container like right under, under the table, and then eat from there because mm-hmm. I didn't want them to see what I was eating. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah, I remember like when I was eight, like I brought embutidos um, to school, which are like it's like a kind of Filipino food. And I think a girl I knew, she was like Swedish. And she was like, what is that? That's disgusting. That is the worst. The, the what is that question is yeah. one that I dreaded so much as a kid. Mm-hmm. Like, whenever I would bring food to school or, or, like, whenever, like, food was involved, it was just, like, I hated that. Because it's, like, I'd be like, oh, like, it's this. And, like, the look on their faces, like, you yeah. know? Like, there's this one dish that my mom makes that I love. It's oxtail. It's, like, <gasps> I, I don't know what kind of meat it is. I just know it's meat. It sounds weird, though. And, like... Because of the fact that it sounds weird, like, I never used to, like, want to bring it to school or, like, tell yeah. people what it was. Like, I'd be like, oh, it's just beef, like, when it's not, it's clearly not. But, like, it's just, like, I hated that, like, oh, like, what's that? Like, yeah, like what is... What's that different-looking dish that I've never seen before? Yeah. And, but, like, in the most negative way, mm-hmm. you know? hmm And it's so weird because it's, like, I didn't realize as a kid that, like, those were a microaggressions and b like those weren't okay like i just thought that that was like the natural response that was like totally appropriate for the situation you know yeah like i thought it was like a natural response that i just had to deal with i'd Mm -hmm. be like yeah like it's shitty that they're saying that but like it's fine like my food is kind of ethnic it it is kind of gross like they're entitled to you know feel weird about it Mm -hmm. and i internalized that and i think that sort of added to the shame i had in being filipino and Mm -hmm. not being white um and yeah yeah that was just the worst and i feel like it's only now that i'm like comfortable like cooking ethnic food for people or you know like being open being open about like filipino food it's it's only now that i can do that because i know that you know that kind of behavior the kind where you like literally interrogate your like colored friend and be like what is that that looks disgusting what's that smell like it's only now that i realize that's actually not acceptable Mm -hmm. at all so yeah Food was a big part mm-hmm. of my childhood. Yeah. And, like, realizing that I was a colored person. And I feel like whenever I would eat Filipino food with my white friends, it would sort it would kind of, like, reinforce the fact that, you know, I wasn't white and I had to try harder. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, that was a big thing. Yeah. It's weird, like, reflecting on all of that because like i just want to go back in time and just shake myself and be like no like it's not you like and like i'm very grateful for like having having the privilege to be at mcgill and study what i study because like i feel like 
that has really helped me to like start the process of unlearning mm. all of like the damaging behavior that like I used to yeah all participate the, all in the you stuff know you internalize yeah right? and like realizing that that isn't me that's society and like that is not a reflection of who I society's opinion of me isn't a reflection of who I am as a person you know mm. and I feel like that's such an important thing to remember is that like society's reflection of us doesn't reflect who we truly are especially because of like all of the like intricate layers of biases that exist within society you know mm. biases 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 biases, biases. Okay. yeah <laughs> you got it um yeah and i think right now at this point in my life i've sort of tried to like recenter sort of um my ethnicity because before like growing up like i thought of whiteness as the center mm-hmm. whiteness as the universal as you know i bet many other people did um and i'm tr- right now i'm trying to be like no 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 joanne you're filipino you're asian and that's okay and that can be like the center of your identity it can be you don't have to try to be white all the time mm-hmm. and it's a process i feel like just because we're aware it doesn't mean that we've solved it there's still a lot of internalized stuff about our races that it's hard to sort of let go of Mm -hmm. but i think as long as we're aware and we're cognizant of the fact that a lot of the stuff we believe about ourselves is learned it puts us in a better place yeah or at least on a better track yeah Um, i'd agree yeah i have a question for you so like did you ever as a kid like like, obviously, you wanted to be white or, like, you tried to identify as close to white mm-hmm. as you as you possibly could. But, like, did you... Because I know this is the case for me, but did you almost ever feel like you were the shadow of that person? Like, like oh my gosh. E- even if people did see you as, like, a coconut or, like... Um, not really Filipino, but, like, mm. and, like, as close to white as you could possibly get. Like, did you ever still feel like it wasn't good enough? I you know? always felt inadequate. Yeah. I always felt inadequate. Inadequacy is, like, the perfect word for my experience, you know, growing up with white people. And, wow, I really, like, sat up. I got, like, really, like, <laughs> riled up from that. But, yeah, no, I mean, uh, and this is nothing against my white friends. Mm-hmm. Um if they're listening, like, I love you, and, like, this is nothing against you, but it's kind of just, it's me being honest about yeah. my experience. And, um, basically, um, I, I, I was very close friends with a lot of white people, and I noticed that, you know, no matter how, tr- no matter how hard I tried to be this, like, very vibrant person, this very bubbly person, um, I was always living in their shadow. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, during prom, like, I remember I went with my two friends who happened to be white, and this is going to sound so shallow, but no one complimented me. They were all like, oh my god, so-and-so and so-and-so, you guys look so good. And I kind of always felt like their little brown friend, Mm -hmm. the little sidekick, you know? Mm -hmm. I never felt beautiful around them. I never felt adequate Mm -hmm. around them. And I was always living in this sort of, like, shadow of their whiteness. Mm yeah, and that really took a toll on me, really affected my self-esteem because I never saw myself as good enough. And I feel like one of the most damaging outcomes of that was 
that um, when I was with Asian people, I felt a sense of superiority around because mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I'm friends with white people, so um, <laughs> yeah, that puts me on a higher level. Yeah. Um, so I felt like my self-esteem and my image of myself was always in flux, mm-hmm. and it really depended on the people I was with. Mm-hmm. So yeah, how about you? Oh, hundred. Yeah. There was actually like a time where I was literally the shadow of my friend for Halloween, and like no. I didn't realize oh God, that's how so bad of a thing that was until like think like honestly this moment right here. Like it was Halloween and. We decided okay. that we were going to go as Peter Pan and Peter Pan's shadow. So she was Peter Pan and I was her shadow. And I was like, yeah, it's great. Like, I get to wear a black morph suit all day and, like, <laughs> be the shadow. And I was just like, the, but literally the only reason why I was the shadow, I think, is because I was black. How convenient for her. You know? And it's like, like, nothing against that friend. Like, like I didn't even realize, like, how bad that was. Like, but, like... I legit was the shadow of them. And, like, I feel like so that, fucked. like, I always just felt, like, the best I could be was the shadow. But as long as I was their shadow, yeah. then I was okay, you know? Like, as long as I still had them and, like, mm. in my life and, like, I was still friends with them and I was still associated with them, then it was, like, okay. Like, it's worth it. I'm, I'm, it's okay to be the shadow of Peter Pan for for a couple, for, yeah. you know? Like, like in fact, I enjoy it. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, and I did. And I was, like looking back like i loved it i was like yeah like omg check out my shadow costume like this is bombing like you know yeah yeah sorry y'all my phone's ringing i'm just gonna put this away um (laughs) but yeah i totally totally get that like there were times when it's not exactly stockholm syndrome but like i would be conditioned into like enjoying sort of the subordination I yeah but i honestly feel like enjoying the subordination was the only way of getting dealing with it you know that's because it's like you either reject all of that and in the that environment at that time of your life if you reject that then what like where are you at you know Mm. all of that work that you've put into to achieving this identity was for nothing you know so it's like you finally made it you either you, you learn to love it or you mm. reject it and like at the time like I just feel like rejecting that didn't seem like a feasible option you know like yeah. I had like I I enjoyed it as a way of surviving it you know that's really which is kind of like that. very problematic it's so problematic because you're literally being like wait fuck, what was I gonna say like that's your existence mm-hmm. you know like you are that's literally like your experience like and it's it's like you're kind of being like oh, yeah, like, I am subordinated, but, you know, like, it's fine, you know, because I'm here, I'm with my white people. Mm-hmm. Like, you're, and whiteness you don't, is the first priority. Yeah, whiteness the is the first priority, and you don't even realize, like, in the moment, you don't realize that until, like, the, until the moment is over, you know? Yeah. Like, you don't realize that whiteness is the priority, and you're second, you just think, that's it. That's and you don't even internalize it as subordination, you just, it's a matter of life, you know? Exactly, and, you know, when I, when I had two best friends, in high school and they were white and um it's super fucked um whenever i would sort of you know like whenever we do things together it was always like have you seen that film duff mm-hmm. i always felt like the duff man yeah. i always did but despite that despite feeling very ugly at times and despite despite feeling like the ugly duckling with her two gorgeous beautiful best friends I'd be like, you know, like, having me is the least they could do. Yeah. Right. No, having, having, having them, them is the least that I could do? All right, wait. 
them having me is already a lot. Oh, yes. You know what I mean? Like, they're already doing a lot for me, you know? Like, they're... They, like, listen to me, and they talk to me, and, you know, like, they, you know, they include me in things. Mm-hmm. Joanne, these are, like, this This is the bare minimum for any friendship. Yeah. Like, stop applauding them for doing regular nice people things just because they're white. And it is amazing as, like, how women of color, like, you take the bare minimum as the exception. Oh, my God, you do. Which is not okay. Like, why do we have to do that? I don't think we should do that like you know but it's also like in the moment it's very hard to like it's a bit of a survival mechanism yeah it's like oh they're not attacking me with racial slurs yay you're a great person (laughs) you know yeah and then after a while you kind of lose sight of the fact that you know like that's actually a normal decent thing that people should be doing Mm -hmm. and that people Like, like should be held to a higher standard for sure and people need to be held accountable for like microaggressions oh yeah micro and i think i also like didn't realize how many microaggressions existed Mm -hmm. or even that microaggressions were a thing until i got here i literally learned that in my first year yeah i I don't (laughs) think until learning that in class that i realized oh that's actually not okay like you know those sociology 270 yes (laughs) um um, Shout out to Prof. Barry. Barry was a fantastic. Amazing. Loved you, Barry. By the way, um, it's Soci 270, Sociology, Sociology of Gender. Gender. Really great class. <laughs> Would highly recommend if you're at McGill. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and I rem- like, you know, the comments like, oh, you're pretty for a black girl, or oh, oh you're pretty gosh. for an Asian, or oh, like, I love your hair like that. Like, can I feel can it? I touch it? Can I touch him? Like, yo, don't touch my hair. Like, get your hands out of my hair. My favorite, sorry, my favorite one, though, that I get is, oh, my God, are you Asian? Your eyes are, like, really nice for any reasons. (gasps) Oh, my goodness. Wow. Wow. Just. But, like, growing up, I was like, OMG, like, you think I'm pretty? Thank you. You like my hair? Aw. Like. You want to touch it? Sure. Yeah, touch my hair as much as you want. Like, I am here to serve you. I am here for your enjoyment. I'm here to perform for you. And it's really interesting because, like, while we try so hard to be white, I mean, that alone, these microaggressions alone are enough to prove that, you know, we were never enough. No. Like, no matter how hard we try to be white. We would never be white. They're always going to see us as these, like, colored girls. We're like exotic and you have all you know you know Exot- what I mean? Yes. Oh, and I hate like, like the exot exoticization. Exotic. Is that a we're gonna say it's a word. The yeah, exoticization <laughs> of like women of color, you know, like yeah, they're either like don't don't look at them, don't mess with them, like leave them alone, or like, damn, they're the most beautiful people ever mm-hmm. and like I like I, I want to replicate them, but only the good, the good parts of them, only you know. The good like, parts. like your hair, it's fantastic. I've never seen anything like it before. It's beautiful. Or like your lips. There's, I legit had some lady over Christmas break compliment me on my lips, and she was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna get my mine done soon." I'm like, "Woman, like these are natural for starters." <laughs> You know, like, you should have complimented her on something so offbeat. Like you should have just been like, <laughs> "I love your gas station outfit. It's bang." You should have been like, "I love the skin on your elbows. That's just really nice." Like I'm, I'm trying to get those redone. Too. You should have just said something yeah. so offbeat and dumb. Like I just pro tip: if you're ever dealing with microaggressions, just respond to something super offbeat. <laughs> like, <laughs> or, or 
Or you could be like woke AF and like clap back and be like, yo, I mean, you that's, do you. That's probably better. Whichever one you want to do. And then let us know how it goes, yeah. please. But like. It's crazy. And like, it's so funny because like, as a kid, I used to, like my hair. Yeah. It's a fro. You see it every now and then. Um, but as a kid, I hated the fro. Like, I didn't want the fro. Like, no, I hated braids, like cornrows and stuff, because I just feel like it made me look like so much more black. Um, so I used to chemically straighten my hair, um, and it was awful. Like, my scalp would burn, and it's so bad for your hair. Like, don't do it. Would not recommend. Um, but I used to do it because then it would give me like flat, straight hair. Still not as like silky and flowy as like a white person's but like as close as as close as i could get you know um and it was just like it was like yeah like people would be like love my hair they'd be like they'd comment on it and be like oh like your hair looks so good like i'm like yeah like i literally sat through 30 minutes of a burning scalp to get this but thank (laughs) but like your praise is the ultimate validation it's worth all the burns in the world Yeah, yeah yeah it was just I mean, now I've definitely, like, started embracing my hair a lot more. Like, I don't... I stopped straight, um, chemically straightening it in, like, grade 11. Mm. Um, so Damn, maybe when I was, while. like, 15? No. 14? Sometime around then. Wait, grade um, 11? I don't... even like... 16? 16? 14. 14? <laughs> <laughs> Sometime during my teens. Um... And, like, now, like, I wear a lot... I wear... I definitely wear a lot more braids just because I'm very, like... My hair is very high-maintenance and I'm a very, 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 very lazy person. So it's, like, put it in braids and you don't have to deal with it. But, like, I feel like that's a baby step, you know? Like, I'm accepting my hair and, like, enjoying my hair and, like, yeah. doing fun stuff with my hair. Right now, my hair is burgundy. I love it. It's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. And it's, like, in this really nice little bun... It's very nice. It's and, like, before nice. that, I had, like, these, like, midnight blue braids in. It was, Ooh, yeah. you know? And it's cool because, like, I, I'm i starting to um, rediscover mm-hmm. myself, you know? And, like, I wouldn't say that I'm at that point where I'm, like, like, I fully accept who I am. Like, I have no qualms, no worries about my identity or anything like that. But, like, I'm starting to enjoy my identity a bit more you know like the fun stuff that i can do with hair the cool stuff that like i can do with my hair that frankly white people can't you know it's like baby steps and like baby steps yeah honestly very well said and i relate like obviously this isn't the same thing as you know hair but i think something i was very obsessed with growing up like especially when i was you know like a teenager was um was the monolid Mm -hmm. and the 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 whole double eyelid thing Mm -hmm. because like stereotypically stereotypical asian eyes like don't like they do have the monolith mm-hmm. so like it, it's literally just like one tiny little slit mm-hmm. you don't get that crease you know yeah. that white people have um but i growing up like i did grow up with a bit of a with a bit of a double eyelid and when i saw that it sort of differentiated me from other asian people and when i saw that white people commented on how my eyes weren't that asian i was like well these eyes are what makes me beautiful. I got to keep them up. You know, I got to maintain them. So what I would do is I would, like, cut tiny pieces of tape and then, like, tape them over my eyelids because, mm-hmm. like, that way it would, like, it would force the eye to crease so that mm-hmm. the fold would be thicker. Yeah. And I would wake up extra early to do it. So I'd wake up at 4 or 5 a.m., put the tape in, and force myself to stay awake so that, so that my eyes would fold. So that when I'd get to school, I'd have these big, you know, like, eyes with 
double eyelids and I would look different than the other Asians and white people would compliment my eyes and it got to a point where I started getting like infections because of the adhesive Mm -hmm. or I'd get rashes around my eyes or like little cuts because like the tape was like sharp that makes no sense but like I would get scratches and it would hurt but I'd be like you know like it's fine it's worth it because I don't want to look like the other Asians and I do want white people to be like damn you know Joanne yeah like she's Asian but not really have you seen those eyes Mm -hmm. and I just thought that you know like having these big eyes with those double eyelids made me beautiful Mm -hmm. and I think it made me beautiful because it made me closer to what white people looked Mm -hmm. like and it's only now that I realized you know I look just as pretty without the double eyelids so like right now I still have them but I don't force my eyes to like have them thick you know Mm -hmm. some days I'll like wake up and like my fold will be thinner and like that used to crush me I used to cry I used to not want to go to school because my eyes were too small but now it's like you know I am so much more than like the thickness of my eyelids Mm -hmm. it's one part of my face it doesn't matter you know and I don't know like right now I feel like I'm in a process of seeing how like um, I don't know, just how, like, just because I don't look white or just because I don't have features that kind of resemble European features um, doesn't mean that I can't be pretty. Mm-hmm. And I'm sort of like, I don't know, I'm, I like the fact that I'm Asian and I like the fact that some days my eyes can be small because I know that, you know, it doesn't say anything about my value as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I think it's good because when you spend so many years just, like, being insecure it feels like you're sleepwalking mm-hmm. you know yeah and and it's like how how do you survive if you don't even if you can't even survive yourself you know exactly yeah so yeah that was that was that was a lot this that, is a lot that, this is a lot this, see see now you now you, you know get it. Why you get it called. right this is a lot because we always have a lot to say mm-hmm. And, you know, our whole experience, everything we experience, it's all a lot. This Everybody's is a life lot. is a lot. Life is a lot. Life is a lot. Race is a lot. lot. Race is a lot. Race is a whole thing. Man, more to come. Um, We haven't I, even touched gender, sexuality, like... Just you guys wait. It's yeah. coming. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be messy. It's going to be a lot, but it's going to be fun. It is. And I think to end this... Ooh, this podcast i don't know what this i was episode gonna, to this, end the adventures the adv- of oreo and coconut. yes to an end of the adventures of oreo and coconut like i feel like you know i think it's safe to say for me at least that oreo's adventures are coming to a close you know yeah and i feel like that it is such a liberating thing to realize that like i don't have to be this oreo or this like white wannabe that i can be so much more than like a quasi-white identity you know Mm -hmm. um yeah and it's just very liberating and I feel like to anybody who's listening who can relate or might be in a similar place that they are now like a you're not the only one like absolutely not clearly and like be like although white and white identity is so prevalent within our society that doesn't mean that it's the identity to aspire to have you know it doesn't mean that it is the the what's the word i'm looking for like the 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 universal the yes the universal and like that doesn't mean that it has to be your aspiration as well Mm -hmm. because like 
as individuals we 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 have so much to to mm-hmm. to discover about yourselves yeah and to offer. yeah so much to offer and so much to yeah so much to offer and it's like how can you do that if you don't even love yourself you know yeah and like you are so much more than your ability to perform whiteness is mm-hmm. another thing mm-hmm. you know and 100 percent. yeah and that's something i'm just realizing oh yeah definitely <laughs> which which is kind of fucked up but you know 19 years later but you know yeah, but i mean we're trying yeah um not to say that it hasn't been hard and that there difficult. aren't slip-ups or anything like that but we're trying so many slip-ups all the time all the time all the time More every time, time i like see a white person i'm like oh i wish i could be you wait no stop doing yeah. it stop. <laughs> <laughs> i feel that like damn i really like her hair you know yeah, but like yeah i think it's just continuously like combating those thoughts and recognizing those thoughts for what they are like they're not a product of you they're a product of our society they're a product of like the patriarchy of racism of of all of that you know structures that are learned learned structures unlearned eggs and and can thus be unlearned and yeah and i guess to sort of like wrap this up um i was calling one of my best friends the other day um she's currently in australia so Mm. if you're listening you know who you are um, I was having a crisis as as Joanne does. <laughs> and um, it was this whole thing where I was just very unsatisfied with myself. Mm-hmm. And she told me she was she told me about this thing she she read where like the first thing like your first thought is what you've been conditioned to learn or like mm. what is learned in the second one is what you actually think. Because, wow. you know, like, that's when you're actually thinking about the things that you yeah. learn. So, like, I don't know, I guess listen to that second yes. thought, listen you know? to this. Ooh, I like that. You know? Listen to the second thought, 100%. Because yeah. that is so right. Like, the first thing you, if it's, especially if it's something negative about yourself. Yes. Identify it and be like, is this something that I, is genuinely true? Or, or did is I this, learn it? Yeah. Or have I been conditioned to think this is the truth? Mm-hmm. Um, I guess... Our, our call to action, let's say, for this episode is, you know, like, just be aware. Yeah. I guess, like, okay, that sounds dumb, but, like, no, spend more true. time, like, reflecting and trying to be aware of the things you say. Yeah. Like, how you act, um, what you think about yourself. I think one of the most powerful things we can do is unsettle everything we've been taught yeah. to know about ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I definitely agree. Well, so that was... That was um that was, that was quite an adventure. That was an adventure. Um we're I, currently at 42 minutes. It's Damn. great. It's, it's great. great. So, um so yeah, I think we're going to wrap this up. Yeah. Thank you for listening if anyone is listening. Hope you enjoyed that wild ride. <laughs> it was definitely wild. Very wild. Um there're going to be more to come. Mm-hmm. Next week's episode will be called something else. I don't even know why I said that. I don't, I don't even know, know what we're We don't do- know what we're doing next week, but there will definitely be more to come. So yeah. stay tuned. Check out our Instagrams and Facebook do we have we don't have, we don't have a just kidding yet. just check out our instagram we page don't have instagram yeah yet. we do. we're making an instagram we have an instagram Shh. the instagram is coming check out the instagram page and then you can also check out our individual instagram pages oh, yeah. which are linked on our soundcloud yeah yeah they yeah. are please um i, I need more followers <laughs> please so yeah um <clears throat> like subscribe whatever you do on soundcloud just i don't even know how that works. we're gonna figure that out um we're new to this 
Clearly. Um, to the friends that are listening, um, thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. And um, I, I don't know, we didn't tell you about this sooner because we kind of wanted it to be a surprise. We, we have actually, like, at the time of recording this, nobody knows nobody except knows. for our parents and, and like, our prof. Our prof, our one prof, and, like, a few people from my program. Yeah. Speaking of our prof, we love you. Shout out to Rachel Zellers, fantastic human being. Thank you so much. She definitely, like, um... She she didn't inspire, but, like, she made us feel comfortable doing it. Yeah, she definitely gave us a direction and, like, helped us so much with this. So, yeah, Rachel, you're fantastic. We (laughs) hope you're well wherever you are. Like, you deserve the world and everything more. Yeah. So, So we're gonna end. Yeah, before we, like, start crying. Okay, bye. Bye, guys. (laughs)